Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 12 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hockersmith, and as always, I want to thank you for choosing to spend some of your precious time with me here today. We uh, we took a couple weeks off the podcast, being stuck here at home on lockdown like everyone else. It's been a little noisy and a little... We haven't been in our in our same routine as we usually are, so I took a couple weeks off, but we're going to jump right back in here today, and we're going to take a little detour from from all the real estate talk and we're going to speak with a local business owner and uh, talk to him about not only his business and how he's been coping through all of this, but how he's going to come out the other side of it and maybe some ways that we might be able to help him. So we're going to jump right into it. Today's guest is a former engineer with a BS in biomedical engineering, who along with his wife, Kimberly, of 38 years, co-founded Donham Day Brewstillery, which was opened five years ago in New Albany, Indiana. Donham Day now makes vodka, whiskey, brandy, um, as well as their signature craft beers on site at their New Albany tap room, where conversation is highly encouraged. Richard Odie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in today. I know you're 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 busy, and uh, so I really I really appreciate the time you're well, you're spending with we us. We appreciate the opportunity to get the word out, and uh, appreciate your help. So thanks. Absolutely. So Richard, the first time I had your beer was probably just after you opened. It was at an outdoor concert down on New Albany Riverfront. I don't remember exactly what the event was, but I I was really into IPAs at that time, and I believe it was the Amorous. Okay. Yeah, it really stood out to me in color and flavor from the millions of other IPAs I had tried, and and I've kind of been a fan of your art, as you like to call it, ever since. So, in preparation for this conversation, I read an article the other day, and it was talking about the fact that you weren't even a beer drinker until like 1994 or something like that. So that's that's right. That's right. My question is, how in the world did you go from being a non-beer drinking engineer <laughs> to a guy who makes such wonderful beer. Um, wow, that's a long road. It, it actually started with scented candles. <clears throat> My uh, wife and I decided we're getting ready to become empty nesters, and we needed to get to become reacquainted with one another again because we've been, you know, busy raising children. And it's like. Well, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you, we probably need to get reacquainted. So we got some hobbies that we got together with, started with scented candles, and they turned out great. Everybody was wanting to buy them. It's like, no, I don't want to be a scented candle maker, you know. So we started to expand the the hobbies. It's like, what else do we enjoy that we can make? So we started making uh, start gardening again and canning and making our own marinara and, and sauerkraut and making our own cheese and wine. We, we may start making wine. And then one year, uh, my lovely bride bought me a Mr. Beer kit. <laughs> and the first beer was absolutely horrible. And um, like, well, I, I didn't do anything wrong, so it must be the ingredients, right? Yeah, that's it. Sure. So, <laughs> so uh, I went out and, and started researching how to build my own brewery and 
you know, half a million dollars later. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with your engineering background, I guess you're a guy, when you get into something, you, you, you go all in and you learn as much as you can uh, about that. That is a curse. Yes. Sure. <laughs> a blessing and a curse. I think you said something that's pretty yeah. interesting to me. It, me and my wife talk all the time. We've, we've got five kids. We've got one in college, one starting college next year, and two more teenagers, and then a 10-year-old. So it's not too oh, far wow. down the road where we're going to you know, be those empty nesters. And, and I talk to her about all the time about finding something that we can do together that we have a common interest in so that all of a sudden yeah. when the kids are gone, we're not looking at each other like, oh, what are we going to do now? Who are you? Who are <laughs> yeah. you? And why are you in my house? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it is important. It really is. Yeah, I'm not not sure so, what that uh, what that common interest is going to be for us yet, but I guess we still have a little bit of time to figure it out. There you go. Um, but in in the road to opening this up, I wanted to come at it at a different perspective. I think than most people. I became a, a Doman's beer sommelier. I was in the first class that was offered in the United States. Uh, they travel all over the world um, offering these sommelier classes. And uh, like I, I wanted to start on the consumer's side of the bar and work my way backwards to the back. I didn't want to start in the back and say, here's beer like it. Sure. I wanted to know what the consumer was expecting because, you know, not being a an avid uh, beer consumer, I needed to know a little bit more about it. Because the first time I'd ever drank anything other than, you know, a Budweiser or whatever was in Seattle, Washington in 1994 with uh, an ESB. And I went actually went to the brewery and I was like, what's all this? This isn't beer. This is dark. That's red. That's what is this? You know, so it was a good eye-opening experience. But I enjoy the process of making beer more than drinking beer if that makes sense. And, and I think there's a psychological reasoning for it other than I'm being crazy. It's uh, <laughs> uh, engineers are analytical by nature, by birth. Sure. They're, they're analytical creatures, but that doesn't mean they don't want to be artistic. I just don't have the ability to be artistic. You know, I can't sing, dance, play an instrument, paint, you know, nothing like that. But I can take the things that I am good at, the math, the sciences, the STEMs, and make what I consider my art. So I've never entered any of my beers in a competition just because I don't want some I, – I don't mind the criticism. Mm -hmm. I just don't want someone telling me, oh, that's not up to style. That's not up to – that's not what beer is about. It's, it's to be enjoyed. I think the consumer is my judge. I, I would agree with that, and I think – whether it's beer or bourbon or wine, I think some people really get yeah. caught up with, you know, you Most you see the the, the so-called professionals who, you know, they write their long reviews and give their tasting profiles. And, you know, sometimes I think the, the average consumer can feel a little bit put off by that. And so really what it comes down or to is what do you like? Exactly. Do you enjoy it? Did sure. you enjoy it? Yes or no? Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> uh, it's like our, our day shine. Uh, um, a lot of people were put off 
the Dayshine whiskey. A lot of people were put off by the color. So, well, this is this Got is a bottle a light, right here. Light whiskey, yeah. And they're like, well, that's because it's not bourbon. There are other kinds of whiskey in the world besides bourbon. Now, I'm a bourbon fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm not smashing bourbon at all. But, but there are different types of whiskey. And our whiskey is a single malt whiskey that we age in bourbon barrels. So, you know, yeah, it's not got the deep, dark, amber color of a bourbon. Uh, but it's not bourbon. You and I were kind of discussing this last night. I, I was telling you, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago, I was sitting in your tap room and I saw that that you were making this the day shine and I saw it and I'm a bourbon guy. So I'm used to looking at something and seeing, seeing a, a lot darker color. And, yeah. uh, so I thought I'd try it out. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't have high expectations for it just based on, <laughs> on the color. I knew you made great beer, but I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't so sure about the whiskey thing, but I, I tell you what, I tried it and <laughs> I've got a glass right now that I'm sipping on. And it was really, right. really it good. Years. Yeah, it it was <laughs> right. very you, surprising. The uh, had a really nice flavor profile, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So, so good job on that. And I know you've got a you've got a, a a bourbon that's sitting in a barrel right in the tap room that's that's waiting yep. to come to age. <laughs> and uh, I can't, right. I just can't wait to uh, to give that a try. If 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 you're Day shine is any indication of how good that bourbon's going to be. I'm I'm super excited to to give that a try. Well, well, we hope it turns out. So far, so good in our tastings. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Good, good but deal. We'll see when it's done. So what what made you decide to to go the the distilling route? Was that always in the business plan from the beginning, or was that something that you know kind yes, of just it, progressed? It was always. It was always in in the in the plan, um, mainly because we could do it as a uh, a farm winery or uh, a small brewery. You're allowed an artisan distiller's permit. After, if you've been good for three years, haven't had any major excise faux pas, you can apply and become uh, a distiller. And uh, whiskey is just distilled beer. So we already make beer. So it's, we use the same equipment. And and so it's, it's another uh, brand that we can use and not add a whole lot of equipment to do so. Mm -hmm. We've actually taken our boil kettle uh, from our brewery and we're dual purposing it as a first run pot still. And I don't know of anybody that's doing that. Yeah, and that's so, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually going to be my next question. Something that I really love about coming into your place is how everyone's so down to earth and and friendly, and your your employees are always willing to give tours and show the customers the brewing <laughs> and distilling process. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was in there one day, and and one of your guys was showing me around. And your engineering background was apparent just because of the way you <laughs> maximized your small space. And yeah. how you had improvised and small. <laughs> yeah, and repurposed your equipment. So you know, you mentioned the uh, the the dairy tank that you repurposed as a fermenter. Yeah. I think you've got a, a a cooler that you made yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we built our own coolers. Yeah, uh, we've also got a, a dairy 
tank that's uh, our mash tun as well. So, yeah, uh, we've repurposed. There's only one new piece of equipment. Well, two. Our, still, our small finishing still we purchased and uh, our second fermenter we purchased. So those are the only two pieces of new equipment that we purchased. Everything else has been repurposed, re-engineered, That's mainly awesome. for our space. And you're in a, for those that don't know, you're located on uh, right off of Grantline Road in New Albany, Indiana. Behind Lee's famous fried chicken. Yes, behind Lee's, who, by the way, one of my one of my clients owns or runs that oh, place. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, man, we eat a lot of livers and gizzards. Yeah, shout out to Lee's. <laughs> so, you were talking about the the law that affects you know what regulates when you can start distilling and so forth, and obviously you've had to kind of change the way you do business here in the past few months because of COVID-19, just like most people have. Right. And this, this interview came about because you were in my neighborhood along with a, a local taco truck selling growlers of beer and, you know, just kind of helping people out, bringing your product to the neighborhood, getting people out of their house. Obviously social distancing was in effect, but something happened there and, and you kind of had to shut down, down early that night. So, so what the heck was that all about and, and what caused that? Well, um, we had been doing this for the past two and a half weeks. We're uh, wherever Fistful of Tacos, shout out to them as well, um, was headed. They would invite us to tag along and sell growlers and cans of beer. Now, we weren't selling pints. You know, you're, you're not walking around with an open glass. We were delivering beer, which as a brewery, we can do. Well, somehow, and this this isn't in code, this is interpretation by the ATC, that the permit that we pay for follows the building, not a vehicle. So we can't bring pre-filled vessels to a neighborhood without an order for that interesting that was phoned in to the brewery so it's to me it's a matter of splitting hairs and in this time I, i don't i just don't think there's any room for that we are just trying to survive we have a very small footprint even now if we were to open up table service i could get 10 people in there and that would disrupt our pickup and curbside service because we couldn't allow on on that side. So it it just doesn't make any sense for us to open up for the possibility of 10 people because we can't even set up in the parking lot because that's against ATC regulations. So we're going to be closed down till the end of June, except for pickup. Um, So we were just trying to do, we were trying to think outside the box to be able to survive. And, and the thing about it was people in these neighborhoods, they were just, they would come up and say, I want to thank you so much for doing this. It was a little slice of normalcy in their life. We went to uh, one neighborhood, uh, Champions Point, and it was 43 degrees, mm-hmm. raining, and the wind was blowing. People were standing in line for an hour and a half to wait for wow. a taco and a beer. So, and, and they were thanking us for coming there. Absolutely. So, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to stay alive. 
because we're basically shut down. Our spirits business are down more than 70% because it's a impulse buy. The only place you can buy our spirits is in our tap room because we're so small, we can't attract a wholesaler. And Indiana also doesn't have direct-to-consumer sales, which Kentucky just recently passed, by the way. So I, I can't get a wholesaler. I can't direct to consumer. So the only place you can buy our spirits is through our door. I would suggest we need direct to consumer sales for anyone under X amount of cases. And we also need a micro distribution network under so many cases annually, just to give small distilleries an opportunity to grow because right now we don't have a vehicle to grow. So how do we get to the size to where a wholesaler will look at us? So it's, it's gotten to the point where a small business can't start small, grow organically, and become successful. There are too many roadblocks in the way for that to happen. So those need to come down. And now is the time for us to work on that because we have some leverage in that, you know, this is what's going on. And, and the other part I don't understand is we are generating revenue for the state. Okay. One of the things that if, if anybody out there is, is looking to become a brewery or, or a distillery, one thing you need to realize up front is that you are a tax collection arm for both the federal and state government. And if you get that in your head, you're, you're going to live <laughs> a much happier life <laughs> as, as a business owner. So, I mean, the most expensive ingredient in that beer and those spirits are taxes because we pay sales tax, we pay federal excise tax, and we pay state excise tax. So there's three separate taxes in every bottle that goes out the door. So I don't understand why the state wouldn't want to promote us. Well, and it sounds like some of these laws are a bit archaic and a lot of these large distributors have have a lot, a lot of money to throw around and, and uh, lobbyists yes. and Things have been this way for a long time, and like you said, I think now is a really good time to to leverage the uh, the situation we're in now to maybe push for for some of those changes. Um, and thank thanks to uh, Ed Clare uh, and the Lieutenant Governor, um, we are really really working on that. We we had a lot of our customers actually write uh, Ed emails, you know, saying, "Hey, you know this." this should happen. This needs to happen because uh, what, what happened during this Corona, they've allowed restaurants to sell growlers, which is, is okay with us. We understand that, you know, they're shut out too, but that's the only thing we had. So in doing that, you limited our consumer base, but you didn't give us anything. So just give us something, just give us something that we can survive on. Because I can't keep going like this until the end of June. Yeah, that's we actually uh, hired more people. I saw that. I so, saw that you had put an ad out. Yeah. I guess on on Facebook. I think I saw it on where you were looking for yeah. for some temporary help, right? Right, right. And you know, if we can turn things around, we'll we'll make that permanent as permanent as we can. But yeah, yeah. And right so now, did we not lay anybody off? We hired two more people. Sure. And right now, anyone, <laughs> any job is is valuable right now with the yeah the i mean i think we're at a all-time high on unemployment and hopefully 
hopefully those numbers will come down, but I, I, I feel like the longer this drags out, um, well, the Brewers the, Association has estimated that as much as 40% of all craft breweries will close by the end of this. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but that, I, I don't want to be sound crass, but I think that makes our business plan going into that much more valuable because we wanted to grow organically. We didn't borrow money. You know, we grew as the business grew. So we can withstand this, but... <laughs> We definitely need – we just need to be able to sell our product. That's all I'm asking. We're making a legal product. Just give me the means to sell it. Right. Just and, take and the handcuffs thing, off. Yes. Another strange thing about the Indiana laws is there is a provision in there for wineries. Um, there is a micro wholesaler's permit for brandy. You can sell for – it's like a ridiculously low sum permit fee of like 100 bucks. You can sell up to – 12,000 gallons of brandy a year, but it's just brandy. What differentiates brandy from whiskey is just the raw material. One is fruit-based and one is grain-based. The the end product is the same. So why that? Just add the word whiskey to that and, and allow us to have that micro-wholesalers permit to where we can sell to to the exchange where it can sell to dragon King's daughter and all the other local restaurants around and promote our brand that way. Yeah. And I think I, I appreciate you educating us on that because I, I don't know that the average person realizes um, some of these things like the, the way the distribution system is set up in the state and all of the, all of the laws that apply to you as a, as a brewer and a, and a distiller. For instance, I don't understand what the difference is between you being able to go and set your truck up at a at a festival on the riverfront and sell individual beers, <laughs> yet you can't you, you can't visit a neighborhood and sell growlers. Yeah, uh, well, and, and they're not offering they're not issuing festival permits right now either. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, uh, that's that's another issue. But yeah. Um, Seems a bit counterintuitive. I, I, don't, I don't know either. I don't know. It's and, and again, I don't mean to step on toes, but it seems to be very consistent. I can't deliver. I can deliver beer, but I can't deliver spirits. Um, I can't sell spirits direct to consumer. Uh, I can't do this delivery the way we were doing. And the only thing that seems to be in common is there's no wholesaler in the middle of it. So hmm. interesting. So if if, if anyone wants to help um in that regard you can you can email ed clear right and i think mm -hmm. on your on donham day facebook page you have a, a sample email that i'm sure if someone wanted to go there and, and copy and paste uh, a customer of ours actually wrote that we didn't we didn't write that sure so. sure so yeah you can do that if you if you want to help out a a small business a local we small business appreciate that absolutely yes. and i'm sure the other local Local breweries would appreciate that as well because you all are, um, it seems to be the community. Yes, you're competitors, but it, it seems like a tight knit community where you do help each other out. Well, the small breweries and small distilleries, uh, the, the, the mindset of that started, you know, way back in the beginning of the craft beer movement is we know that as a, a, an industry, we have to work together because the, the major players can snuff us out in a heartbeat if we were to 
work individually, but collectively we make a difference. So we, we have to work collectively. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with realtors. I mean, we, we are all competitors, you know, and it's a very kind of, it can be a cutthroat uh, profession, but we also, especially here in Southern Indiana, we really get along well. We help each other out. We've got, you know, the national association of realtors just for the things that you're talking about, where we can all come together and, and kind of act as one big organism to fight for our best interests. Well, here's something I I don't want to toot our own horn, but Mm -hmm. we try to be community-based. So we have things like local artists show their wares uh, in our pub. We gave away hand sanitizer. Uh, My wife is a nurse at at a nursing home. They were out of hand sanitizer. So we started making hand sanitizer back in the middle of March to give away. Uh, but we also sponsored a, uh, realtors class in our pub while it was closed. They had no place to take the test and here they were waiting. So we had 10 people in the pub taking the, the realty tests. So <laughs> I, I, I did not know about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Although I did come in and take advantage of your, uh, free hand sanitizer, which oh, was, yeah. and I have to commend you on that because that was, you, you jumped on that very quickly. Well, again, that was out of a, Hey, my wife's, you know, working in Mm -hmm. a very high risk environment right there. And I'm going to make sure that she has what she needs to, to feel safe. So, and we gave it away to shoot many nursing homes, uh, civic organizations. And then we had people like UPS and the city of Indy calling us like, "Uh, Oh, wow. No, we can't do that. We're not that big, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of the the large distillers across the river over in yeah. Kentucky we're we're doing a lot of that. Yeah. I think shipping barrels of it over to uh to right. UPS and Worldport. Yeah. So I think Huber's was too. Mhm. Yeah. So So it just kind of getting back to to our previous conversation. You were you talked a little bit about becoming the uh beer sommelier. And I think a lot of people have heard of, of wine sommeliers, but right. I, I wasn't aware that there was such a thing as a beer sommelier. So what? Oh, yeah, there's there's water sommeliers. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> I, I saw that when I was looking on uh, uh, Doman's website, kind of yeah. doing some research for, for this conversation. Wow, you went deep, brother. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, try to, I try to educate myself. <laughs> but, uh, well, and I... Honestly, selfishly, I was thinking, hey, that might be something I might be interested in doing. I, I tell you what, it's it's the final for that is nerve wracking. Really, um, we had nine different German light loggers, and we had to get six out of the nine correct with the style and brewery. Oh wow! Yes. That's not easy. I, <laughs> not I did. Easy I I did a little blind taste test of of four different bourbons when when the whole lockdown started, and we were just finding yeah. trying to find ways to entertain ourselves. And I uh, I thought and I was drink at the same time. exactly. I was pretty <laughs> confident in my ability to at least pick three of them. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> now I use the excuse that I had 
five kids yeah. in my face and I wasn't able to I wasn't allowed yeah, to go. go back and taste them again after I, I had I had to pick them as I tasted them so I blame that I feel like I could have yeah. gotten at least two or three of them that way but that, that's my story and I'm sticking well, to it learning to taste it is actually a, a trained thing because you don't you don't actually think about when you're tasting something how you taste it. You just taste it because it's either good or you know it's not good, and and that's that's about as far as you get from it. So learning to taste is just like any other uh, activity that you want to be good at. You have to you have to work at it. You know, there's there's the you know the 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 first taste. There's the nose. There's sure. the back end. There's you know and. And your your olfactory senses are, are your primary tasting. So even if you've had some, you know, my gosh, I can't imagine any nasal problems in the Ohio Valley in spring, <laughs> but, you know, that's going to affect your tasting. So it's a very – and what you taste and what somebody else tastes is totally different. Neither one of you are right or wrong. Absolutely. So for someone to say, oh, no, no, it's this, no, that's bullshit. You know, you taste what you're tasting and you are right. Now, a sommelier or a bartender can suggest, you know, like, hey, you're getting out of a Belgian beer. You're getting that ripe banana. You're getting that clove, allspice. You know, those are the things that come forth in, in a yeast, in the Belgian yeast. And that's that's what you get. Now, some people may not. But sure, and your tastes change too. I know um, for me, as far, especially as far as beer goes, it depends on which season it is, on what kind of beer I'm drinking. You know, obviously in the summertime, sure. I'm probably drinking something a little lighter, or or maybe an IPA that's a little hoppier. And in the winter time, I'm drinking a stout or a porter. Um, right. And then you know, most definitely. I know one of the first things I learned in tasting bourbon was when you smell it, it makes a difference. If you open your mouth when you're smelling, exactly. My kids yeah, like you, to make fun should. of me for that no, <laughs> when they see me. Crack your mouth open a little bit, yeah. and no, that's exactly right. And before you smell it or taste it again, smell the back of your hand or your arm. Give your olfactory a, a different so because it will, uh, it will. You become nose blind, you know, like the commercial says, and sure. so you have to give it a a refresher. Same way with your taste, you know, eat a, eat a cracker, a little soda cracker or something. Mm -hmm. so, so speaking of yeah. taste, I'm going to have to ask you, what is your favorite Donham Day beer? Oh, man, you got to make me pick between my children. <laughs> um, I, I'm like you. It's different seasons uh, right now. Uh, it's it's Nebula. Yeah, uh, I have it's to. a juicy Northeast style IPA. Um, it's got the mouthfeel. It's got, um, you know, that little bit of a uh, caramel front end with, with the, we like to design a beer, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like almost like a meal. You have your initial taste, your upfront, your, your, your olfactory experience. And then as it goes through the taste, you'll want that in, in this case, that bitterness on the back end. So it gets rid of that caramely, fruity, and you're ready for the next drink. I always like to explain it as if you're sitting down to eat, you know, grandma's pecan pie at Thanksgiving, you can't just sit down and eat a piece of pecan pie. You got to have that cup of coffee to go with it. Right. If not, by the time the end of the pumpkin pie or the pecan pie, you're so disgusted with the sweetness that I can't, 
eat anymore. So you got to have that refresher to your taste buds. So yeah. that's what we try to do within the beer. I get that a lot. There are certain beers out there that I've tried that on the first or second sip, hey, this is pretty good. But then you get three or four yeah. drinks into Halfway it through, and you're like, you're oh, like gosh, I can't finish this. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm that way with sours. Mm-hmm. I, you know, six inch, six ounces of sour, and I'm good for a year. <laughs> yeah, and I'm there with you. I'm not big on sours. Um, <laughs> Not big on 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 fruity beers. Now, when I say fruity beers, I don't mean an IPA. You know, I, I right, like a nice right. IPA with a, a more like a, a citrus. Or, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what about a non Donham Day beer? Do you have one that that you are kind of on right now that uh, that you really like? The Saison Dupont. You can never go wrong uh, in pairing food. If if a if a sommelier runs out of ideas on what to pair with it, just throw in a saison de pont. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you go. So I mean, that's such a fantastic beer. Uh, Pliny the uh, Younger, I uh, love that. But who can get a hold of that? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of fantastic beers out there. But uh, if I'm drinking for pleasure, it's it's generally a bourbon. Yeah. I'm more of a bourbon drinker. Are you uh yeah. do you have a, a favorite bourbon or are you kinda like me? Um I, I have the one that's in my hand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my everyday drinker used to be uh W. L. Weller. Yeah. Until until they blew that up and you can't find it anywhere. Uh, so uh, I I try not to spend I could spend a lot of money on bourbon. So I try to find a, a, a medium priced product that I can enjoy. Um, I mean, I like Jefferson's reserve. I like, I don't know. Booker's is one of my all time favorite proof that Jim Beam knows how to make bourbon. Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> you know, and just about anything made by Shazrak. Uh, they're they're except for that damn fireball shit <laughs> that they're making right behind you now. Right. Yeah, right behind us. <laughs> Thank you guys. You're gonna make something. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I used to when I first started getting into to bourbon, I used to kind of collect bourbon more than I actually drank it back in the early two thousands. You know, I I I found some a couple bottles of Pappy Van Winkle before anyone else yeah. really knew about it and uh picked up a bottle of the twenty three year reserve and a, a bottle of the uh thirteen year family reserve rye and which is my favorite by the way well the rye yeah it's funny you say that because i i held on i think i paid 37 dollars for that bottle (laughs) the the 23 year i I spent a little more on that i paid i don't know two two ninety or something so where did you find it on a shelf up at welch's liquors in carrollton kentucky which i don't I, i don't know if that exists anymore or not but i used to i used to be a fedex contractor and that was part of my territory uh, up there gotcha. so i i didn't even know what it was when i saw it at first but i thought well 200 something dollars it must be good you know so i bought it and held on to it until 2013 when when louisville won the the national championship in basketball oh, and i yeah. thought hey if i'm looking for an yeah. occasion to pop it open now's a good oh, time wait a minute. what was that Did they? <laughs> well Did they? yeah we're not gonna get into that <laughs> oh this isn't a sports podcast yeah <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's funny because as soon as I 
took the first drink, I regretted opening it. Opening yeah. it, I thought, you know what? I should have sold this because, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm sure to I, some, I am with some you. people I love it, but to me, it was just too it's much too barrel. Much. Yep. Too much. Yeah. Now, don't the, get me wrong. The Twelve I, year, the the lot B, mm-hmm. to me is much better. Yeah. So, don't get me wrong. I, I finished the bottle eventually, <laughs> but I held on to that to the thirteen year rye and actually sold that last year for twenty three hundred dollars. <laughs> there you go. Man. That was uh that was a nice investment on my thirty seven <laughs> that was a nice return on my thirty seven dollar investment. But and, and that will uh, allow mama to justify you buying more. Well actually we <laughs> took it and we and we uh paid for half a trip to Jamaica for <laughs> so she appreciated that. Go. But now I'm I'm more into finding like you said affordable bourbons that are that are really good, you know, like yeah. uh old granddad bottled in bond. That's one of my yeah. that's one of my go-tos yeah. now and you can get it for under $30, you know, so Right. A lot well, of like it's... Evan like Evan Williams. There's nothing wrong with Evan Williams. No, you know, not at all. Or a daily drinker? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Well, my pappy story was I found it at the Westport Kroger back, heck, I don't know, a long time ago mm-hmm. for 207 bought two bottles of it uh, at the announcement of our grand, first grandchildren. We, we popped it open and drank it, but we've saved the other one. Yeah. So I still, still have it. It's a Stitzer Weller. So there's not going to be any more of that. Right. So yeah yeah and that's that's what uh that's what made the the bottles that i had so valuable is because it was Mm -hmm. it was before they they moved their facilities yeah so you had mentioned to me when when i ran into you in the neighborhood a couple weeks ago and asked you if you'd be interested in being on my real estate podcast you'd mentioned that you have done or do some flipping is that correct yeah yeah um we our third project is about to go on the market or has gone on the market. Okay. Uh, and we've purchased our fourth. Cool. So this is so, kind of a, uh, a new, yeah. a new venture for you. Well, my boss said I needed to start making some money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, and, and our son is, is a contractor. So, you know, we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and he just recently, uh, he's getting ready to take his, uh, state realty license. So then we won't have to worry about that either. So, okay, good uh, deal. yeah, it, it's a nice way to make a little side hustle money. Yeah. And it's, and it's it, something we, we focus in the under 200 mm-hmm. market. Yeah. We buy very distressed properties. So, you know, that is even the ones that we buy ugly houses, people won't touch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's challenging right now. I've you know as as a as a realtor, I've, I've tried to get into it. I I actually partnered with someone else last year on one that was very successful, just to kind of get my feet wet and and learn right. about it. And uh, I've been actively looking for for a new opportunity here recently. And it's even you know as a realtor, it's hard to find these properties. Exactly. You you yeah. almost have to know somebody. And, and find them be- before they, they hit the market for sure. Um, and there's a lot of wholesalers out there right now. 
and, and that's, that's who we're working with. We're working okay. with a couple of wholesalers, mm-hmm. and you know they're doing all the the beat work and and handing us a project, and which makes it very nice. So. Right. So tell me, have you have you learned any hard lessons yet in the flipping business? Um, I would say our biggest lesson is like what you said, start out slow, inexpensive, don't, you know, don't try to hit a home run your first time out because you're not going to. So don't, you know, don't finance, buy it, buy your first couple cash, right? You know, that way you're not under pressure to sell, um, stage, stage it. Absolutely. People love that watch too much HGTV, so <laughs> they expect that stuff now. Oh, yeah, and what's really cool now, and I do yeah. this with some of the properties I list, if they're vacant, you can stage them virtually now. You know, most most people's first showing is online, so, you know, for $35, $45 per picture, you can digitally stage a, a home. Dude, hook us up. Yeah, hook absolutely. Up with that. Absolutely, I will. I will. <laughs> I have a few people I work with who can do that. It's 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 amazing. I really feel like, as a matter of fact, we did that on our uh, on our flip last year, and I feel like that's really what sold it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know anything about that. So yeah. Yeah. So people like me, I I have trouble visualizing. I you me know too. I can if it's there and I see it, I can tell you if I like it or if it looks good or not. But as far as looking at yeah. an empty room and visualizing it. I'm, yep. that's, that's not I'm, my game. I'm, I can't conceptualize either. <laughs> yeah. Now so. I can't a beer or I can't a whiskey or, but I can't <laughs> decor. No, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, getting back to beer real quick. I meant to ask you, and this may be uh, a tough question, but are you chasing that perfect beer? Do you have an idea of the perfect beer that, that you would like to craft? Pliny the Younger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, good luck finding one. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't have any any aspirations of being the best beer in the world. I just want to I, I just want to make good beer that everyday people can enjoy. Uh, and part of my problem is um, we started out simple. And, and then we've grown more complicated. I need to get back to simple. Um, so the beer we have brewing right now is we just call it Buds. It's just a, it's going to be a like a four point two pale ale, just a simple summer slammer. Um, and and right now that's what people are looking at. They don't want that giant, you know, kumquat apricot, double triple pale stout. You know, they want just something simple. Well, and I know sometimes for me, that's what I'm looking for. I don't know. I don't want to order a Bud Light, but right. I would like a nice craft beer that's not necessarily 6 or 7% alcohol, right. but that does have right. some right. body to flavor. it and some flavor. flavor. Yeah. 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 Taste. I want it. Yes. And, and uh, I mean, we have, we've always had beers like that. Like our Whittle Moon, it's a 5% uh, Belgian wit. You know, it's very, very approachable. Um, and, and then, uh, I don't think our IPAs are so complicated that they can't be enjoyed. Um, now we do have some complicated beers. Our Saison, sure. uh, it's an extremely complicated beer. Uh, our anniversary beer, uh, the Drunken Unicorn, the strong Scotch bourbon barrel aged beer. It's, it's like a, a fine wine. It really, uh, 
um, it gets it gets better and better as it sells. Um, it, there's a lot of of dark fruits, uh, plums, raisins, uh, caramel forward, with just that little bit of smoke on the back end that acts kind of like the hops and clears your palate and you're ready for the next drink. It's I call it a party in a bottle. Absolutely, <laughs> and I know that's a big deal every year when you release that. It's uh, usually. Yeah on um uh, saint patrick's day right is that correct saint patty's day that's yeah. our anniversary luckily we had it the weekend before saint patty's day this year if we'd have waited for the weekend after saint patty's we would have been closed right because that's when they closed down and uh, uh saint patty's day like most bars is our black friday you know that that's our that's our money for the year saint patty's day sure well, listen, we're going to, I'm not going to keep you much longer. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up, but you know, before, okay. before well, we do I've that. I enjoyed it and, and I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to spew. No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that you decided to join me today and spend some time with us. Is there, is there anything before we go that we didn't address or something that you have on your mind that you really want to get out there to people? So the only thing that, a visit us, come buy something, you know. Uh, but our customers are fantastic. We had a, 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 an overabundance of pre-filled growlers due to the ATC ruling on us, and we sent that out uh, Sunday that we had this glut, and within 45 minutes we were sold out. So our customers are fantastic. They're they're loyal. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> And, and, uh, you know, again, we wouldn't be anything with, without them and our employees, they, they are so loyal and dedicated. They say, Rick, anything you need, anything. And, and they're there. Uh, we love them to death. So, well, that's quite obvious that, uh, I, I feel like each of them take ownership in the business. They feel like it's their baby I, as well. And that's obvious just from, just from coming in the store and speaking with them. Well, we're, we're known as beer mom and dad. So. Yeah. <laughs> we I guess there's actually, worse things you can be known as, right? <laughs> I actually uh, performed our uh, head brewer's wedding. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's awesome. We're that kind of a bunch. <laughs> cool, cool. So, yeah, go visit. Uh, you can visit them on the web at donhamdaybrewery.com. Obviously, you can call right now and pre-order growlers is that correct you can pre-order yeah, them and can. come pick them up uh, there's a couple of ways you can call us direct or you can go through second kitchen okay. uh, and order them that way okay and obviously you're on facebook and instagram and all the other social media sites yeah, but all that social media stuff that most, i don't know how to do very well. <laughs> most importantly go visit them 3211 grantline road number three in new albany right behind lee's chicken and uh richard I just, I really appreciate you spending time with us. I could sit here and talk to you for another hour. So maybe we'll have to do it again sometime. And I look forward right, to getting back in the, good. in the, in the store sometime. Maybe we can do it from the pub next time. At, that would be awesome. Preferable. Sipping on a bourbon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll right. do it when you, when you finally, uh, tap that, tap that barrel. That'll be my sly <laughs> little way of getting in and, and, and having some right. of it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Thank you, man. Bye. All right. Thanks again to Richard Odie, and a special thanks to you for choosing to spend time with me today. Please make sure to support 
Donham Day, and all of your local businesses. And please make sure to support this podcast by sharing it with your friends, hitting that subscribe button on your favorite platform, and maybe even writing a short review. And more importantly, if you or anyone you know is looking to buy or sell a home, please give me a call. I'd love to serve you. Thanks for listening, and have a great day, everyone.